Welcome to That Comic Smell Podcast. With your hosts, David Robertson and Tom Stewart. With special guest, Olivia Hicks. How's it going, oh? Uh, it's going okay. I had my last day of work today, so I am officially on my Christmas break, which is cool. exciting. That's yes, good. Yes, I'm ready for... I've got a week and a half off, and I'm ready for it. Wow. Are you guys on break? Are you about to go on break? I've been off for ages. What's the haps? Dave? Well, I'm, I'm off. Um, I've been off for a week, and I've got another two weeks to go. Oh, delightful. Yeah, Jesus. pretty good. Jesus, indeed. It's the birth of Jesus, so I've been given <laughs> this time off to celebrate that. <laughs> the, uh, away in a manger. Mm. Yeah? Well, I've got I've got four days off coming up, but that's that's it. Yeah. Oh, Tom. That's all right. No, it's fine. It, do you know what? If it's that whole thing. If I, if I don't work, I don't get paid. That's you know, true. I'm freelance, so oh. I, you know I don't get I don't get money if I don't work, so it's fine. Um, but oh, I tell you, those four days, oh, I am gonna enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I I just I don't feel like I've had like a just a two, I haven't managed to get like a two week stretch of holiday off mm. this entire year, and I just I feel like I'm at the end of my rope a little bit. <sighs> I just need a a, a break. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, definitely. Oh man, so you actually are, are you getting are you getting like proper proper time off? You're not busying yourself in between. Uh, no, I have no concept of proper proper time off. <laughs> of course, so I'm completely turned off from work stuff. I'm not looking at anything for that, um, which I find very easy to do. Yeah. Uh, I do not find it easy to not do comic stuff in my spare time uh, I think the longest I managed was at the start of this year I managed a couple of days without thinking about comics and then I got itchy so um, I find it very hard to just actually sit down and relax Yeah. so what I'm gonna I mean I've got a bazillion one things to do I've got to clear out my parents house still I've got to um, finish a comic so just stuff like that really so yeah. I'll, I'll probably be doing a lot of personal stuff over over the christmas period right okay well you have your folks moved house or something uh yes and they've told me that when i move out i have to have got all my stuff down to six boxes or they won't keep it in the house Ooh. so i need to sort out basically all of my teenage i'm doing the big everything that was in the house up until the issue 18 <sighs> sort of sort out oh dear yeah i <laughs> and i yeah, I hate sorting stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> when I was impressionable, I read an interview by Matt Gronig where he said to always hold on to your drawings and don't throw them out because they're important. And that advice is the worst thing to impart yep. to me, a hoarder. <laughs> so, like, I just never... I From the time I was about, like, 
like seriously from the time I was about 11 or 12 I like did not throw anything out because yeah. I was like no this is important to my art trajectory and huge <laughs> historians will want to see this it's it's like weird it's like there's certain items which are I don't think I would ever throw out and but like you know what they are because they're so important to you so yeah. like when I was about nine I wrote this really long really bad fantasy novel and that is like that's never going anywhere that is staying <laughs> with me that is like that is a really stupid but important artifact and then like I have a Disney magazine which is like super important to me and but I think probably everything else that I don't think about that I haven't thought about for 10 15 years is probably good to really be chucked <laughs> A, a fan? Did you say a a, a fantasy novel, or, or am I getting the two mixed? Yeah. Up? Yeah. No, it was a fantasy novel. It was called The Beast of Kilo, and it was all written in pencil, tragically, which means it's very hard to read because <laughs> a lot of it's faded, and it has drawings, and it is the most nonsensical four hundred page story. I've sort of I managed to read it like about ten years ago, and I was like, "Woo, what a hoot!" Uh, but. Uh, yeah, no, that is, but it's like completely disintegrated this textbook, this uh, composition book that I wrote it in. But that is like, that's good stuff. That's like prime, like that, you know, you know, um, the Brontes had a shitty younger brother, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Branwell. And people sort of like Daphne du Maurier would try and comb through his stuff to see if he wrote anything that was decent because they thought if all the rest of Brontes were so good, surely this bloke must be pretty good too. <laughs> But he wasn't, he was just a bit rubbish. But they like comb through his juvenilia to see if there's any sort of gems of genius. And that's what the Beast of Killer is. That's like my juvenilia, my, my Branwell Bronte shitpost. <laughs> oh man. Do you think you could do you think you could um twist and adapt it to make it into something? No, man, it's real bad. It's, re- <laughs> it's just real shit. Right, okay. It's real shit and my handwriting was really bad and I couldn't spell. And it's in pencil that's faded. It's really a diff- it's a challenging read, sort of like James Joyce, but doesn't have that reward value. <laughs> oh man! You... Maybe my Twitter account will just become like a J.K. Rowling esque sort of like account where I just sort of tweet out amendments to the canon of this story, <laughs> which no one's ever. <laughs> just be like on page forty nine. <laughs> <laughs> this character I now declare to be gay and just keep on like that. Oh man. <laughs> I see now I expect that. <laughs> I know I know want it if you if you collect um if you collect all of um Sarara into a big massive collection, I now want you to, to go back and just change all of it bit by bit in, in forms of tweets. <laughs> And Instagram posts, you know, little videos just of like, you, just like, yeah, mic dropping, being like, yep, this person's actually straight. Ha ha! Boom! No, if that happens, that's a cry for help. You need to intercede. <laughs> that's when we'll be like, right, send the authorities. Something's yeah. up. <laughs> Are you, um, I know you've not, uh, I know you're not putting this one, <clears throat> this third version out as a print copy well not just now anyway at least um are, are you going to collect all of it eventually 
Yeah, so the idea was that I was going to do like free issues and then collect it up, but because of the lack of comic cons and everything, I think just skip that last step and just go straight to a collected edition because right. I don't think anybody has the bandwidth for it. Mm. Um, which I is a little bit sad, but um, I think it'll be really nice just to have a collected edition. So and it'll be a chunky book. It'll probably be about 180 pages or so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. with all the extras and add-ons and you know so i the plan for 2021 is to sort of turn it into a collection right just Dude. still um still soft cover you're not gonna hard cover that bad boy no i'm thinking hard cover Why? If, I can afford oh, it. Yes. if i can afford it like I, it depends i think i'll probably look to doing a kickstarter mm-hmm. i don't know i think the plan is such as I have plans is to maybe run a Kickstarter for a hardcover. And then I could like do other stuff like stickers. Um, I want to do Sora stickers for ages, maybe do an enamel pin, just do a couple of extra goodies and stuff that nobody really needs, but people might want. And (laughs) yeah, I think for the complete collection, it's like go balls out, like all in, let's do a hardcover. Let's just, let's just see how nice I can make this. But I'll have to see how expensive that gets. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can imagine it would. I can imagine it would be expensive, but if you if you get a Kickstarter going, you'd be all right. Definitely. Yeah. So I've been like sort of looking at all the indies Kickstarter to sort of see how they've been running them and stuff, and it you know it is a lot of work. So probably I wouldn't imagine that anything would have materialized until the summer to be honest yeah yeah but um you've you've you've, you've done it you've done it all now though you've got it all there it's not like you're it's not like you're going to be rushed to finish it or anything you know what i mean yeah the only i mean there's some it needs to be edited a little bit in terms of like um i would like to make the text uniform throughout right okay oh i wonder um, about that yeah yeah because uh, i so, sat and like, read all of it today start to finish for the first time I oh, really? got two volumes in today, and then the last volume, I felt like I'd seen it too much recently, and I kind of <laughs> and I didn't didn't get to the end. How was your all the way through reading, or are we skipping ahead to later questions? No, no, no go for you, it. you've just jumped to question fourteen A there, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I no um. I, I was aware, having read it going along, that there were changes to the. A lot of things, like including the text, mm-hmm. color being introduced. You were doing mm-hmm. things as you felt like it, right? Yeah, it's a very reflexive comic. Mm. Yeah. So I wondered if you were going to go back and make it more uniform in any way. Um, like color all of it, or no, I'm not coloring all of it. That would take too long. Do you know? I would. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't color all of it anyway because those first that first collection works so well in black and white. And I think it, it kind of becomes indicative of of the series as it progresses, just getting more and more sort of vibrant and solid and stuff like that as it goes on. It's like it you can actually see the progression as it keeps going. So it's it, it works the way it was. It is. Yeah, I don't I don't have any plans to color color <laughs> it because coloring is one of my le- my least favorite elements of doing Sororora. Um, it's not it's not terrible. It's just it's a bit like a machine. You just grind it out. Yeah. So um, I have no intention of just taking on thirty two pages of coloring. But I think the um, font choice for chapter two 
um, could have been a better font choice. So I would probably want to relayer chapter two. And then while I'm relayering stuff, I'm tempted to letter chapter one. But then chapter one, the sort of the best thing about, you know, doing handwritten fonts is that you get to have more flexibility in like how things look. Mm. But then yeah. also my handwriting is quite hard to read. So I'm, I'm up and down between what I want to do with that. I didn't think it was hard to read. No, no. There wasn't one word where I went, what does that say? Yeah. That just didn't happen. I um, that was I think that was one of my favourite parts of, uh, of uh, of the first volume actually, was was the fact that you had the hand lettering throughout it. Um, that was the that was one of the first things I noticed going into, the second book. I know it then became, um, colour, and mm-hmm. but it was definitely it was that was one of that was, probably the only sort of jarring thing was when I noticed that the, the lettering had changed. I went, oh shit! Like, but then I'm a sucker for hand lettering. Everyone was like, half half the people were mad about it. Half the people <laughs> found it hard to read the hand lettering. So that was a real case of you can't you can't please everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, like, I think what I really would like to do is get my own handwriting turned into a font. But I don't know if I have the money for that. But like, if I could do that, then that would be the happiest sort of intermediary, because then I could just re-letter the final two chapters in my own sort of handwriting font. Yeah, is it that? Is it that expensive? I know that. Dan, I don't know. That, I've never looked into it. That um, what's his face? Uh, Dan Berry, I think he does. Yeah. Because mm. I think um, there's been a, there's been a couple of folks that have spoken to him like on his on his podcast and stuff, but there's been a couple of people like tweeted him saying that they just wrote out their handwriting like two or three times or something then a, you know a couple of weeks later he's back with a, a font for you um yeah, but well, i don't I, I don't know how much he is though that's the only thing yeah i don't know um I've pe- done how much. you've done it yeah you can do it online it's free i i know you can do it online for free but i'm really bad at it and i don't you need to like do the kerning and stuff and that's what you sort of like my handwriting, so I've done it like the online one a couple of times, and I just end up with something that looks a little bit insane, <laughs> um, because yeah, I think I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the patience to sit in current stuff. So I think I do need like a professional to look over it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I was much like Dave. I did it a, a couple of days ago. I, I sort of went through all of it after you gave me the 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 third one. Thank you, by the way. You're um, welcome. That was, uh, yeah, that was uh, interesting. Uh, going through it. it was fun, a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun with this when I read it. Um, it's just, do you know what? It's, it's been one of the. There's been, a, I think, three online strips that have genuinely I've I've been looking for every time they've come out. Um, it, it's it's definitely one of those, and uh, yeah, it's just oh. It's a lot, a lot of fun, but you, I, I constantly feel like I'm missing something that's going on in it. I, I always feel like you're telling me something, and I'm sitting going, "God, am I, am I stupid? What's going on?" <laughs> but it's I, like, but that's good. Like that's a, it is mysterious, yeah. Yeah, but that's a that's a great that's the other great thing about it as well is that that then incurs multiple reads within that one look. So I've I've looked at it, I've read it. 
I felt like they're missing something. And then I've read it another like three or four times right in that sitting to figure out what it is. I've not come to it. But then that's that's my own stupid limited knowledge. You know what I, I mean? I don't know. I feel like at that point that might be a flaw on my part. No, no, God no. No, 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 no. Um no, I've said I've said this many a time. Dave knows I've said this many a time. I just I can't see underlying themes and stuff. I just can't pick up on them. But I know they're there. I know that there's something there, but I'm just not I'm not with it, but it might also be, um, like I've picked up a couple of times that there's maybe a, a reference to something that's rather current or something like that, and it's maybe just that I don't know. Personally, I don't know the current thing that it's referencing, um, but you seem to be pretty on the button uh, with with the strip, with the dialogue, and with the ideas and everything that are going on. Um, it gets you thinking for a strip that's that's just you know an alien in nineteen fifties and people going about and you know gags and everything left and right. It's it, it definitely gets you thinking. It's good. Was it um, was it always in it? Was it always an intention of yours to get an underlying point across with each strip, or was it just you know solely the narrative and then everything else came with it? just day to day because you said there it was kind of reactive yeah it's a it's okay so like i don't think i i don't know if i i don't think i consciously put stuff references into current stuff i think it just sort of ends up the with the timing i think it's like sort of the judge dread curse where you write a dystopia but then our own timeline is so terrible <laughs> that it starts to seem like it's directly referencing stuff yeah but people are just trying to write the worst possible thing they can think of um so it started off as like very much as like a weekly gag strip like there was no overarching narrative or themes at all i think i want i knew i wanted to get to homecoming at some stage but i just and i knew that i wanted i knew that buzz was going to be pregnant Right, okay. And those are the two things I knew, and I did not know anything else that was going to happen oh, in man. this comic. Um, so everything else is sort of done on the fly, and I think that sort of it it was like the first chapter is completely by the seat of its pants, and then um, I sort of I think halfway through the first chapter, I was like, hmm, I I don't. Like everybody's white, and I was like, <laughs> "Wait a second!" <laughs> and then I don't remember how far into it I got before I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna make this about racism." But it was like it wasn't started. Off, it did not start off that way. I got a little bit into it, and then I would be like, "Oh, everybody is not even like noticing how like the the because like the first chapter sort of has like a twist sort of halfway through where the desegregation storyline sort of comes in halfway through yeah and i was like getting towards it like oh, nobody's even noticed that there's no black characters i was like beach you didn't even realize for like the first five ten issues like mm, you gotta unpack your own like i don't know so it was like um so yeah and then it's sort of I don't know. I think when you sort of just make a bunch of characters on the fly, if you're not careful and you don't sort of sit and think about it and try to make people interesting, you will just end up with a bunch of white kids. And that's <laughs> sort of what happened to me unintentionally. And then I was like, oh, no. And I was like, but mm. And then it sort of, but that ended up sort of fitting in with 
the Archie world because Archie yeah. comics are kind of like that in that period and it sort of ended up servicing the plot. I think. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think no. I've just revealed myself to be a terrible person. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. No, it, 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 it really did. It was it was obvious at the start that you were you were very much just making well with the first kind of first couple of strips it just seemed like a total play on archie and it was it was almost like you were just you know poking light fun at but you know you were obviously a fan of um the archie strips and you were just having fun with it and you know chucking an alien in there but it has it's like now that you've now that you've you've said it it's um you know that whole thing of life kind of unfolded before the before the strip, and it just kind of has happened concurrently. Um, but it's obvious stuff like that has been playing either in your head as you've been doing the strip, or it's just things that have also played with the kind of time period that you've got as well, and it's it's just kind of unfolded throughout it. But it's just it's so. I don't know, it's just, it's so strange that you've ended up, you know, there's obvious racial aspects, gender politics, sexual politics in there as well, and yet it's just, I, I, I think a lot of it is just kind of unfolded as everything in the news is unfolded, like, at the same time, you know what I mean, as you were saying, and uh, now you're saying, like, it wasn't a total conscious thing. Was it conscious at some points, or was it... Yeah, so I think at some point in the early days of Sorara, and I don't know when this happened, but at some point I sort of was like interrogated myself and was like, okay, so why are there only white characters? Like, and then I sort of, I guess, formulated the idea of having the desegregation storyline in it. Mm-hmm. And that was really stressful to do because the whole thing was sort of a light-hearted comedy and I had to keep it as a comedy but also deal with something that was really heavy and really terrible <laughs> and I didn't want to like be poking fun at civil rights. Yeah. But I also... Uh, so I've always tried to keep it that the jokes are on the racist throughout because I feel like that's how you do satire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just a pointed, little pointed thing there to people who might be confused. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then like so the first sort of chapter sort of I guess it's sort of an idea of a plot sort of started to creep in halfway through and then the second chapter I started writing them so I used to just write them on the, a Sunday I would come to be like what's going to happen today right. and that would be how I would write the storyline um, so it was very just like eh, gotta make a joke hmm. and then in chapter 2 I started writing it so it was like I'd write about 12 in one setting to try and get more of a sense of a narrative happening Right. Um, and then um, and then that sort of continued like just sort of trying to write them more and more in chunks um and I sort of knew what had happened, but I didn't know what would happen. I think it's always best if you have sort of a general idea of an endpoint, but you don't try and follow that super strictly. Mm. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, and then I kind of did get an idea of, like, okay, I think I'm just a very, intre- like, an annoyingly introspective per- 
person who just thinks about everything way too much. <laughs> and because I just had, I didn't write it all in one go. I just was writing it constantly for like, I'd write it on and off for like two years or whatever. Yeah. That I would just sort of like overthink themes and then put themes in and then like, just I just overthink it, and <laughs> but then that's that's maybe what I do. that's maybe a how, how a lot of these things have ended up playing into it because you, obviously if you're if you're doing this at the same time you're thinking about other stuff it's it's obviously going to sort of creep into the work you know what I mean and I think it's I think the fact that it has been a there has been a sort of subconscious thoughts going into it you have been able to keep the humor whilst keeping the 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 little Bit, the 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 sort of more serious aspects peppered throughout, um, but I did one I did wonder as I was going through it if maybe the time setting maybe helped that as well. Yeah, I think because I don't feel like I could have. I think there's no way that I would do something in an archy time period without starting to without being like okay, but who's excluded from the narrative? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, that's my favorite way to read Archie anyway, is just, just to reinsert queer subtext into it. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I just read Archie and just pretend that it's gay. So I think that's just me sort of, like, trying to do this in a comic form. Um, and, yeah, I think it's just you have a lot of time to think about it as you're doing it, but also your relationship with the characters is so much deeper because you have to do it week on week on week. So I started off just being like, I'm going to make a bunch of horrible characters <laughs> and just torture them. And I think that was just my basic idea. I was like, here's a bunch of horrible people and I'm going to torture them and torture them and torture them. And then halfway through, I was like, oh, no, I like them. And <laughs> now I feel like that I'm attached to these these terrible humans and other people were getting attached to them, too. And I was just like, ugh. Because originally I wanted to just kill everybody off at the end, and uh, Emma was my partner was pretty horrified when I told her that was my original ending about two years ago, and has been sort of mad about it the whole time. And <laughs> eventually, I was like, okay, I'm not going to kill them all off, but I am going to make a lot of them unhappy. Yeah, I, I genuinely, th- to be honest, I genuinely thought you were going to kill a bunch of them off when she when when Sarara suddenly then started getting an actual more of a personality about her and she started to become total I don't know complete queen like it was just amazing like she was just so such a boss like just going for it I just thought right she's gonna rain fucking napalm on all of them and just kill them this is gonna be great (laughs) I was waiting for it oh I couldn't do it in the end. <laughs> I was I was honestly waiting for it. I was waiting for this whole thing just coming to a climax where they all die. And I was going to be like, this is going to be the best plot twist. But you did you did one better because you did. You, you gave them just all shitty situations at the end. I mean, I mean Francine is literally like tortured now. <laughs> I mean, loads of them are in... They're in like loveless relationships and totally like there's no one, no one looks over the shoulder at other people and everything. I'm sitting going, oh, these people really got what they deserved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like it's a lot about like um, I don't know self hate, <laughs> like or, like <laughs> the characters who who don't love themselves or end up in bad situations, and like I guess. 
sort of it's impossible for a lot of the characters to find happy endings like yeah. Slick and Buzz they, it's not possible for them to have a happy ending in the world of the text they have to go on the run and um, it's not really possible for uh, Betty and Terry to have a happy ending that's recognised by characters like Francine they don't recognise that as a happy ending Yeah. Um, I think it's everybody's in their own sort of their own world again and it's whether or not that's a miserable one or a happy one is up to them but I think with uh, 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 Judith and Brent, I just felt like they had not shown any character growth. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I cannot give them a happy ending if you haven't had any character growth. I am. Um... I was like, miserable marriage for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can maybe see that with, I can maybe see that with Brent the way you would think it with Brent. But I don't know. Judith came on pretty far. Um, yeah, I just felt like I feel like Judith was always I I okay, so I don't think that Brent uh, Brent and Judith's marriage is going to last very long. I think they will <laughs> like get divorced fairly soon, and like because they just are both of them are too gay. But um, <laughs> I <laughs> I don't think see that marriage working out. But I didn't see them having. Uh, like I'm not saying that they won't have a happy ending, but I didn't think they were in a position at the end of the story to make the choices that would lead them there. I felt like they had more sort of they had more time before that would happen. Right. So maybe it's for them more of a delayed happy ending, maybe. But like I felt like they needed more time <laughs> to just sort of simmer. The uh, I got I, I did get a laugh though. It was like coming up like you know. Was it six months later? And I was saying, going six months later, and this is a progression in six months. Like Francine living on her own independently, then married, then running on the rails with a kid. I was like, it's only six months. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but then it's fair play that probably in six months in that time, it probably would progress that quickly. To be fair. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, they're like, um, what do you call it? Like. You leave you leave school at fourteen and get yeah. married at like twelve something. I don't know how it works in the olden days. <laughs> it is a little bit ridiculous, but what can I say? I just thought it was it was it was perfect. Like you didn't even think about it. The fact that it only said six months, unless you went back like I did and went, wait a minute, <laughs> this didn't say like five years later. This said six months. <laughs> it's only been homecoming. What the fuck? <laughs> They haven't even got to the end of the school year. Homecoming is like the start. The whole story, though, is super compressed. It like it all takes place over about three days. Ah, oh, right. It's yeah. like I think about three days from begin. Yeah, David's David's on top of it. Yeah, he's spot on. Right? Yeah. Well, she says it uh, outright, doesn't she? I have been amongst you for three days or something. Yeah. Say that. Uh, it was only when I read it all today that I realised that it had just been a short amount of time. See? Which is my excuse for why none of the characters ever changed their clothes. <laughs> and not because I couldn't think of different things to draw them in. <laughs> I, I thought that the comic was full of WTF moments. Yeah. All the way through. Right, I'm going right to the start. I was thinking the first one that got me was that the alien is kind of disgusting, right? And, and you know she's attractive. They all fall in love with her, and but she's sort of disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, do you agree with that? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's where the humor comes from, isn't it, surely? I, yeah. I, I feel like the so humor at the sheer, start was just, ha-ha. So, right. It's just, is she a metaphor for anything? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know how deep, I, I don't know. I mean, because also, like, you got to bear in mind that anything I say about this is something I thought of about six months into this project. And yeah. so it's not like I set out to sort of make to say anything deep about it. I just think about it a lot. And I'm like, well, what does this mean? Um, I think for me, Sarara is like those horrible fetishized ideas of um of like sort of horrible fetishized racist stereotypes of blackness that you get in sort of that media like right. I, if she was to represent anything she would represent that um, I because like all those sort of 50s teen movies with the aliens are always about the fear of the other right mm, yeah. and so I think that for me it's like when you I don't know I don't know um but like I think it's like um, you have this like it's it's like um, I mean like you have the idea of um, the 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 sort of racist stereotype of like the Jezebel character of like this sort of uh, black woman who's sexually there to entrap all men and stuff mm. like that. And um, is it Edward Said is like talks about sort of how um, you can be sort of you're seduced by this idea of the Orient, but you fear the Orient. And I guess it's that sort of intermingling of, of racism and fetishism that I think, if anything, Sorora would represent. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Sorry to go deep dive. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that's, that's what I was wondering, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, well, that's <laughs> that was basically what I was trying to sum up earlier when I wasn't rambling. Um... Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's kind of what I was getting from it. Just when you were saying, Dave, about what the fuck moments, uh, then you were saying right at the very very start, like one of the biggest what the fuck moments from the very start that, honestly, I think is probably one of my favourite pages throughout the whole series is Lady's Choice, <laughs> and it's just literally they them sitting looking at her like oh, and then just that next bit. I'm going to take that weird, disgusting thing to prom. Not if I take it first. Like, so good. So, so good. Like, proper pushing and fighting over each other, you know. That's uh, one of my favourite, I think, <laughs> gags in the, in the whole thing. Um, yeah, I think I just sort of, like, when you look at sort of 50s media and stuff, it's this fear that, you know, where they're like, oh, the aliens are here, and, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen they're gonna seduce our white dudes and i was like okay well let's just give them what they want let's just go let's just see this through to its natural conclusion of this <laughs> and just have this horrific scene where all these poor jocks are being converted into bones and sperm and like i was like let's just go for it let's just do this and and give like and really sort of like if this is what i feel like this is all what the 50s things are sort of at their the heart of their hysteria is I'm like, well, let's just do it then. Let's just do it. And everyone was, I feel like everyone's just been silent <laughs> when that when I when I post those. I thought people were gonna be like, because sometimes when gross stuff happens in Sorora, people are like, oh no, gross, disgusting. <laughs> but there was just 
like radio silence. I think everyone was just completely shocked. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I thought it was great. I loved when they were going up and there's there's one panel. Uh, well, of course, they all want to run in, eh? This is fabulous. Yeah. And and so they run into that ray, and then that just immediately turns into, you know, it was the bones falling down, and she already had the umbrella up. <laughs> she knew she knew the bones were going to be coming down, so they were bouncing off her umbrella. And I just thought, that's terrific. I like... And, and I, I love the continual use of the word spunk throughout as well. That was great. <laughs> I didn't realise that it was a... I forgot that it was a UK-only word because it sounds like an American word. Well, yeah. spunk to them is like... Uh, Sass, right? Wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was an unintentional one because I sometimes I like go on 50s fan sites to sort of look at wor- like words and puns from the 50s and look up phrases. Um, but I just was like... Uh, you know, this is definitely one. I just, I just completely goofed, goofed on that one. Um, what about, uh, what about when they were discussing how they could get more fanny power? <laughs> no, that one I remember. That was still a bit, uh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, that was one of funny. my favourites as well. Do you know what? I, I, I sit wondering about like when they were going into the, into the, into the light. Do the cheer, do the cheerleaders get? disintegrated as well or is it just the job yeah oh so they went um, as well yes they don't get um well there's no sperm to convert the cheerleaders oh, okay. into so the cheerleaders are just disintegrated all oh, right if they get too close to the if they get too close to the funnel i should have like i think the problem is it goes so fast the pace is fast and when i read it back it feels like just some like it feels like you're just being screamed at non-stop for like 150 pages <laughs> because the the energy level is like so high all the time on this comic um but I, yes, I didn't really get a chance to get into the fate of the cheerleaders. Um, but I don't think a lot of them made it. But I didn't have time to make the more immemorial videos. <laughs> that would see that would be if the the end of the the collection is just a bunch of um, commemorative <laughs> photos and bits, <laughs> just pages and pages. <laughs> Actually, I might do that. <laughs> Almost like a yearbook style, but just all in memoriam. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can see you can see the uh, one of the cheerleaders on the what's the matter with baby batter, the fourth the fourth <laughs> yeah. panel. She's she is disappearing right in office. She's like your spunk will live forever. Like he's proper bones, but she is starting to disappear right enough. Yeah, she's starting to disintegrate. Yeah, um, but I did think that like every time they were getting really close, it was like don't go too close. Just <laughs> you might you might go as well. That's not that's not the point. And then I'm thinking no, she doesn't care. Just kill them all. Just kill them all. <laughs> I thought it was. I was. Uh, I was wondering, like, how the beams actually worked, though, because it only grabbed what Brent's trousers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how they work. Um, they work on. It was originally like it grabbed his like leg or something. So like I thumbnail it all out as a scripting process, and I read those thumbnails to Emma. And, well, I describe them to her, and then she like will say make up, and if she says sort of her reaction will sort of based on how will sort of influence how much I then sort of tweak it afterwards. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I'll just get to it. I'm starting to draw it, and I'm just think now nah, I completely can think of something funnier to like because I would have penciled the bit with Brent getting sucked in. 
I don't know, like like in July, probably June or July. Right. June, I think I scripted that. So by the time I then came to drawing that in November, I was like, you you have fresher ideas. So um, you just sort of sometimes you just sort of think, okay, this is a bit boring. How can I make it funnier? <laughs> so I thought at that point, I felt like Brent had a dedicated fandom for his butt. So I was like, let's just give the people what they perhaps want, perhaps don't want, and <laughs> I just. You know the copper tone. I don't know if you ever remember the the little the is it dog, the baby with the dog pulling her pants, and that sort of pose. And I it was just in it was just in my mind. So I was just like, let's just do that. Um, so I don't really know how the fa- the funnel really works, um, other than it loves a juicy butt apparently. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't really know the mechanics of it. <laughs> That's for the uh, fandom to to argue to, about. To argue Okay. Oh, we can uh, we can set up a thread somewhere on Reddit that's just all about the the quantum and uh, quantum mechanics and physics behind the funnels in Sarara <laughs> and how they work. <laughs> is it just denim that it goes after and pulls up, or is it <laughs> other other materials? <laughs> oh, but it's so good, and you got like a total. You got a laugh, but you also got like a sincere moment in that same bit as well with little potato face Martin being taken <laughs> oh. up. <laughs> oh, Martin. So my favorite thing about Martin is that I didn't give him a balloon trail because I really wanted it to be unclear how much of Martin's personality is just Judith proje- projecting. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, right. <laughs> he doesn't like ever open his mouth to no. physically say anything so I'm not sure how much of that conversation is just taking place in Judith's mind uh, <laughs> that makes so much sense I did actually think when I was reading it I was like who is it that's saying that line because there wasn't a tail written off and that does make sense that she would just be projecting it on him oh man <laughs> so good. see what I mean I just don't pick up on the subtext at all use my He's were on about all that stuff earlier, and I'm going, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Martin was Martin's a lot of fun. Um, I have to always have a reference up to him to make sure I get the right sort of vacant expression going for him. <laughs> I thought it was your, um, I thought it was maybe your play on uh, what we'd spoken about before, which was like the Hollywood potato face, just, <laughs> just generic, good looking, like. He- too good looking to be when I, you say potato face I think of Matt Smith from Doctor Who and <laughs> I will say he is too good looking to be a generic but he is like a generic dude he's like the Peter of the group yeah from Hunger Games yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's true right enough yeah he is he is a kind of generic no face about him right enough um oh man he just he honestly he just looks like like even when they were making out and stuff when Francine uh, catches them. It's uh, he honestly just looks like a balloon character or a bunch of cushions that she's put together. <laughs> That's it. This is Martin. <laughs> He's just like he just doesn't have personality, and he makes me so happy. And then I loved uh, when Judith is holding his bones, and his skull has got exactly the, the same, same face. <laughs> vacant expression going on. It's so good. Oh man. Who, uh, who would you say is your favourite character out of all of them? Oh, I don't know. Or even I... your fa- even your favourite to draw, maybe. Uh, favourite to draw, Buzz. Okay. He's so fun. I know. I okay. I do think maybe I have more of a soft spot for Buzz and Slick than anybody else does. <laughs> I I I 
feel like the I I don't know. I thought people were gonna were gonna love them, but I think nobody sort of cares about them other than me. And I'm just like, yeah, Buzz is slick. Buzz is slick. Uh, Buzz is so fun to draw because he's got that sort of those big watery eyes and the big eyebrows, and his face is so expressive, and he sweats all the time. He's just like he's just a really expressive face. But then once I started drawing Sarara with a personality, then she became really fun to draw. Yeah. Um, I think Brent's fun to draw as well, and then like. Uh, Francine's pretty fun as well, but like, uh, probably, probably like Buzz is generally my favorite one to draw. Right. Yeah, I would have, I would have probably guessed Sarara when she gets a a bit of personality because I don't know, you just like every time, even when she was being punched in the face, she looks pretty flawless. Like every time, and there's a good bit of character to. It was. Yeah, it, I, that was the thing I planned to do because, like, I didn't plan to give her a personality. I, like, I thought the final scene would be everybody kills themselves out of love for Sarara, and Sarara just goes, "I just want to be normal," and walks off. And that was the original sort of ending I thought I was going to have <laughs> in chapter one. And then I realized that she had to just be the most evil character. Well, she's not evil; she's just a bureaucrat. No, she's you know- not a good. She's not a good ally, and she's a bureaucrat. Um, but. Yeah, and then I got to draw her as like this sort of bishy, um supervillain, and it was just so fun to draw her and like to get to know her because I felt like I hadn't known like she was my least probably one of my least favorite characters to draw for so long because oh. I just I uh, found her kind of difficult to draw, and then she just sort of suddenly became just a, a real fun challenge all the time. Hmm. <laughs> It, it was very noticeable that she deliberately wasn't there. There was nobody there. Um, yeah. And then it's quite far into it, isn't it? Two thirds of the way or something. She yeah. first says something. I remember saying she spoke, you know? Yeah. Yeah, everyone was shook. That was like one of yeah. the really rewarding, some of the really rewarding things about this webcomic is that I guess everyone gets more invested because instead of you reading it in an afternoon, you read it over three years. And um, I, yeah, everyone was just like, holy, holy cow, she's speaking. And then when she sort of has that first expression where she sort of turns and looks at Terry and Terry's hiding behind the bins. That's right. Every, everyone was just like, oh, shit. That yeah. panel was, was brilliant. Yeah. She's like, who's that? <laughs> and, and it's, oh, look. And then hold transmission. Eh? She's gone all sci-fi as well. It was just great, man. And then she's quite threatening. She's telling her, you know, just stay away from me or whatever it was, you know. Yeah. You yeah. pose no threat to me, eh? Someone like that. And it was like, wow, this is such a... She's just a total badass or something. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And the way you'd kept drawing her, but all the different expressions were brilliant and everything. She just... Um, I thought her face was a really difficult face to draw and to get into interested in. So she kind of increasingly looks like a Dr. Zeus character rather than a gerbil. Mm. Um, her <laughs> okay, face yeah. kind of had to change a little bit in order to sort of facilitate it all. Mm. But um, it was really it was really rewarding. And then like when she and Terry have that sort of face off and she's just yeah. doing her evil villains monologue. Um, but she's also she's evil, but she's also sexy. And yeah. she's not at all repentant. Like that was really fun to draw. I just and she is alien, you know. Yeah. The, the the things that she says and her reactions to stuff. I just 
I can't tell where the hell she's coming from. <laughs> and that's good, though. I don't know if you know what I mean by that, you know. Even like at the towards the end, she says, she shouts, you know, you have not been a worthy adversary to me. <laughs> like, what the f- what? What the fuck is that to say to somebody, you know? <laughs> but it was brutal. good. It was, all in, it was all in that weird alien character that you just couldn't put a handle on. Yeah, she does look like, sort of like, you know, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is probably like one yeah. of my big influences. And the people, they're like, oh, put the pod in the baby's cradle and then she will cry no more. And they all sort of talk like this. And this is the evil alien boys. <laughs> and that's sort of very much, I think, what Sarara would, would talk like. Yeah. Mm. Terry says, uh, well, would you rather... Well, is that someone like, wouldn't, wouldn't you be better going after the FBI guys than these jocks or something? And she, and she goes, you have convinced Sarah Ra Ra Ra. what? <laughs> I mean, she doesn't say, yeah, you might be right, I'll do that. You have convinced Sarah Ra Ra Ra. Oddball. Oddball, yeah. So good. I just loved... Uh... You may you may join me on the five moons of Garara. I was like, oh god, this oh, yeah, is the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's actually still written in the same bit as well. I was like, fuck it, hell. <laughs> I could just see a whole planet of these things, like just sitting there. But then, but then she says, like, this isn't my form. This so, isn't... Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking, like, what, what's her true form? I don't know. Um... Everyone was asking me about this, and I one time I drew like a horse with the body of a spider, like a horse head with mm. a spider body. And if I had to think of anything, it would maybe be that. But I generally have no idea what she looks like. Hence, I didn't draw her in her full form in yeah. the final scene. I was just like, you know what? I'll just keep that fursuit on. Yeah. So is she? Is she actually there in the in the final final moment? Is she is she actually there with Francine, or is that just uh, an imagination? Oh, what do you think? I really, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I looked at it and thought, alone with my thoughts, alone with the group, alone with Sarara, and I was going, wait a minute, she's already said alone with my thoughts, and then she said alone with Sarara. Has Sarara come back? I can't tell. <laughs> oh, what do you think, David? Well, I I, I read it as. Uh, I think I read the the word together at the end. I did actually, even though it says alone with my thoughts. I'm taking it that the goop really is on the wall, and she really is there. Maybe I wanted a happy ending. <laughs> Would we call this a happy ending? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I um, no, I took it as. So, I mean, when I say these things, these are just my own personal canon and death of the author. You whatever. You choose to interpret the ending as be free to interpret that. Okay, JK. But um, okay, JK. I wrote it as that Sarara uh, came back to the home ship and they realized that she had a bunch of dumb sperm and were like, you're fired, and sent her packet in. And so she's now an outcast, having failed her bureaucratic job, and is with Francine. Ooh. Good. I like that. So That's she's a suffered career failure, her one. Have one weakness. <laughs> I had wondered as well because somebody says no when when she gets back there and they find out what she's done, she'll be fired or whatever. And I was thinking, 
I want to know what happened to Sarah Ra 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 really. Yeah, that was Terry, wasn't it? Said that. Yeah. 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 So so she has come back and is living there with In with the Fabulous. Which is like I don't know. I think the it's sort of the end of it is kind of influenced by like um, Little Shop of Horrors. You know, you have that big bit where they finally get to the suburbs, and they have their little wedding, and there's someone that's green, and it's a happy ending. And then you see the little Audrey two plant in the in the flower bed, and you yeah. know that evil is lurking in the suburbs. <laughs> and so, um, yes, yeah, so the ending of this, I I always wanted to be evil was lurking in the heart of the suburbs. Um, so my original sort of, well, one of the sort of, what I was playing with for a while was having that sort of ra was with Buzz and Slick and the baby in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Um, but then I was like, and I think, then I guess it would be Francine and Judith, but then I was like, nah, um, <laughs> let's make some people unhappy and not have Francine <laughs> and Judith together. I just... Francine is so terrible and she just doesn't ever learn from any of her mistakes and she never prioritizes Judith. So I cannot, in good conscience, license a foodif relationship. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So I thought instead I would have Sarara and Francine together, making okay. each other miserable. That, um... So Fra- do you think Francine does love her though? Or is Loves it something her- that has, a, has her mind been messed up by the goop? I think it's like. What, what I the, think if Stockholm if, syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think um, Sarara isn't good for her, but it's what she wants. Ooh. If that makes any sense, she's like the bad boy that you shouldn't want, and ultimately won't be good for you. But like, she can't help herself around Sarara. Whereas I feel like. Judith would be wholesome, and if she was with Judith, she might improve as a person. But, (laughs) (laughs) oh dear. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think they're gonna necessarily be happy to get it's like, um, it's kind of like, um, you know, the end of Pride and Prejudice where (laughs) where Lydia and Wickham are together. That's how you should interpret this ending. (laughs) There will be sex, but there will not be happiness. Do you know, it just is is very that you saying that then and looking at the visual as well, it's very indicative of like a Mills and Boone novel. Then that's what I looked at. I looked at Fabio covers. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I looked at Fabio covers. Right. Okay. Well, were you, um, were you saying that as well? I was just like, yeah, one hundred percent. That's like a Mills and Boone. You're no good for me, but I can't give you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I was inking and coloring the last one, I um. I drew it with Emma on the line and we record it so we'll have like a little sort of video of like my process to put online <laughs> nice. after it goes online. So I, I think I talk about it a bit more there as well. But yeah, basically I just was like time to do some like time to do a Fabio homage. Um, <laughs> generally if I can't think of what to do with a Sarara, I'll just like look at pulp covers or look at posters or something. Yeah. Well you had um You've got that as a, a as a sort of homage then, and you've obviously influences throughout, like obviously Archie and Greece, and uh, I think in your art and the humour, I think there's definitely like a massive Kate Beaton vibe to it as well. Um, but what are some of the more kind of knowing things that you think you've 
either taken an influence from or you have actually straight up homaged in it that I might have missed? Um, I think one of the big ones that was kind of a slightly obscure thing is that when Brent is getting paddled, that's a reference to an actual pulp um, fetish piece of artwork that uh, Haley was looking at for her PhD by a guy, I can't remember, named Gene Bilbrey or something like that. Okay. And he has like a piece of art where it's like a sorority campus and it's like these university girls that like, they got one tied up for initiation, she's getting spanked with a paddle machine and I literally just redrew it with uh, Brent and all those characters. All right. So that was one that was uh, probably a little bit out there. Um, There's one where Terry's standing underneath a streetlight between gay street and some other street and that was based on a pulp cover that somebody put online um it's just stuff like like i i just see pulp covers and i just decide to redraw them (laughs) Uh. well you're pulling from stuff that won't be so well probably not with the audience anyway it won't be so um obvious you know what i mean the one, the, the, yeah. the audience that this is going to pull in, I don't think they're going to be going, yeah, it's from that pulp thing from that, from that time. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. And then I think, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, sometimes I'll have like, there's lots of, I can't even think now of what the, of what the, of the pulp covers and stuff that, and stuff that I put in it. I just, that's just a that's just a bunch of stuff. It's just everything. I I, I point break. There was a big point break reference at the that? end of the second chapter, where you know he sees um, Patrick Swayze and he can't shoot him, so oh, Keanu shoots, shoots in up the air. the yeah, yeah, air yeah. and goes ah. So yeah, that was the end of chapter two. Was point break. Um, it's just it's just a ton of nonsense all the time. It's just like all this pop culture rattling in my head. Ah oh, dear. It's so good, though. I remember when you put up that paddle power one. It's yeah. Like panel, wasn't it? And and I looked and, and I remember just thinking, this is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it help. I think it, that probably helps in that you've you've got a good way of drawing leather, so it just it looks even more like oh oh dear. It looks almost like that that Pulp Fiction scene. You're just like, oh god, oh, this isn't this isn't going to go well at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was just a choice, uh, a, a uh, convenient thing because I think originally I was like he was going to get tied to like a uh, like a circle and you throw knives at him or something like that. I didn't really have a strong idea, uh, and then luckily Haley brought that art in, and I was like, okay, so this is what I'll do instead. Um, the other one I stole was. Carrie for the front cover yeah, of chapter yeah, yeah. three, and then um, Hansi, the girl who loved the swastika, got referenced in chapter two. <laughs> oh, did, where, uh, whereabouts? Um, the bit where um, it's like a page called Welcome Wagon, and Terry goes to the school, and every for the first time, and there's like this welcome wagon there of people being like, "Yay, we love Sarara." And there's like a blonde girl in the foreground. And it's basically a redraw of the Al Hartley cover of Hansi, the girl who loved the swastika. Oh. Ah, that's like a really obscure one. <laughs> I remember, I remember you speaking about that a while back. Uh, the uh, the inside sort of cover to volume two, though, I was going to ask about that. What's was that? 
an homage to something? Because that felt like I'd seen something like that before. Or was that no, just I... another another kind of rip on a an almost Mills and Boone pulp sort of thing? No, I think I just that one just came out of my little noggin. Oh, did it? Oh, well, that was yeah. I don't think that was good. referencing anything. I don't remember it referencing anything. I think I just had a really clear clear idea of an image that I wanted to draw. Mm. It's maybe just the kind of writing and stuff around it and where you've positioned it. It just looks very much like it. But it's uh, do you know what? that's that's one of, that that's definitely a fave. Um, it's her looking down at Francie, <laughs> like looming large over her as well. That was the first sort of hint, I think, that Sarara was not all that she seemed. Yeah. 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 So, um, just whilst I'm thinking about it, you had uh, you had a bunch of guest strips and stuff in it as well. Yes. Um, yeah. I. Uh, I was going to say, did did you always want to have guest strips in it, or did was that something that came up naturally and you just you got more and more as it went on, and then you just kind of rolled with it? I don't remember. I think it just came up naturally. I think I always like when people are like, "Oh, I got someone to draw a guest strip." I'm like, "That seems great." You just get people to do fan art of your characters. This seems like like a lot of like a lot of fun. Um, so for the first one, and I know that uh, I think it was like Bobby Kernan had already done like some Sorara art, and I was like, "This is awesome." Yeah. And then I think David, you owed me a page, so I was like, "Oh, I could ask David." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And yep. uh, yeah, and then it just sort of then it became like you know the regular thing that happens every time, but it's a really nice part of it for me yeah. personally. I just, I like other people drawing the characters. I think, um, not to sound um, big-headed, but when other people draw it, I'm like, okay, good. These are solid character designs because they still look like the characters. Yeah, in yeah, other yeah. Pe- Like, other people can draw them in their own art style and it's still, the characters still come across really strongly, I think. So I think, uh, especially the character design of Sarara is just a solid, It it's like, it's a little. It's kind of a solid design. I don't know. It it really is. You're right. It really is. I mean, I I drew it on. Uh, I think uh, I, I think I sent it to you. I can't remember. I drew it on the on the chalkboard when you were coming around one time, and it was so easy to draw. I was actually I was really shocked because I mean, especially drawing it on you know a cho- a, a big massive chalkboard in like chalk pen, uh, and I drew it out and went. That was really simple. Like it was so simple, and it's just it is really just a few lines. Uh, in all actuality, it's not complicated. I don't know if it's just the way you've done it. It looks like it's more complicated than it's going to be. You know, with the buck teeth and everything and the big eyes. Um, it's dead simple. It's I really... think it's uh, a lot of it is that it was a it it gets refined so much just from drawing it over and like. I think as the comic progressed, I think you and you you can probably see this. The characters really do get just distilled and simplified mm. so much, and that they sort of lose any sort of complicated fussing that they don't need, and they just become this really simple drawing that makes them easier to communicate. Yeah, and um, like and I think also just like the art style, it, the art style was a little bit fuzzy at the beginning. It was quite complicated, and then it sort of just refines and refines and refines and refines. And then with color, it kind of opened it up, so I didn't need to sort of do really complicated inking anymore. And it just, um, and then by the end of it, it was like you could really sort of 
do so much of the character you could really tell so much of the characters were like very simple lines but if you i mean you did have to like do a lot of work to get the expressions right but like you could Mm. the characters really got simplified yeah yeah it's uh you've got you've got good um you've got a good couple of ones like like that at the start of volume one that's very simplified images especially with like the teacher (laughs) that that, that two image one at the the very start of volume one i hope this question is about algebra it isn't like oh my god like i was in hysterics when i first read that (laughs) but it is it's really simple you've got the same character i mean it literally she was on the page just before um like quite a bit of detail but it's quite distinctly the same one on the next page but just so just she's literally boiled down to like almost like an onion a (laughs) pumpkin and then a scarf like that's what it looks like and uh yeah that's it like dead simple and that is her you know Um, i think i just learned something about not being so fussy or i don't know i think mm. just drawing something every day you get better at drawing it and um yeah i think sorora sort of taught me a lot about a simpler a simpler way of drawing things because uh i think i used to feel like i really wanted to do atomically accurate stuff and you know make stuff look like real and and I, that just is all not obviously a skill of mine but uh energy and having movement in mm-hmm. something and funny expressions that is something that i'm good at yeah and i think sarara sort of just helped me to lean into that and learn more about that process yeah hey, you've got you've got a good definitely a good sense of movement even in that uh paddle power <laughs> everything is quite it, it is a, it is more of a a static page but there is a lot of sort of dynamic poses and stuff like that i mean even him like i can feel the the kind of strain under his knees being held up there it's almost like i'm being like no nah, you know i can't i can't i can't stay up like this this is ridiculous <laughs> um but she like she just looks so excited to paddle him <laughs> like come on <laughs> She's ready to go. Fitzy. I wish I'd had a chance to do... I don't know. I feel like the the Bad Kitties came in so late and so many of the other characters have been established, so I never really got a chance to really do much with them other than with, like, Black Betty and Terry. But you could... And, um... But I don't know what storylines I would have told with them, really, but I wish I'd had a little bit longer to develop those characters, but everything just goes at a, rec- a rapid pace in this comic. Do you, um, do you think you would do a spin-off, then? Or any like sequels or anything, or is it a case now that you like you just don't have the time at all? <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of it is that I do not have the time at all. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about doing like a couple of like sort of leaning into the Sunday strip thing and doing like some uh, horizontal strips that would have been, I guess, two A five pages next to get each other um, of like a Sunday strip style cartoon, and it'd be called um, King Trash or something, and it'd be about Brent. <laughs> uh but i don't know i just i do not you're you really i just don't have time like it's stuff you know just i'm really i'm struggling at the moment so over christmas i really want to finish love ranch just so i can just so we can get that out the door yeah totally. and because i've been saying to you i'm about to finish love ranch for like 
two years now. Yeah, I think it was two years ago that we first started the conversation about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But you like that? You've had all this, and I mean, you've you've been working like nonstop on on, on so many different things. I mean, you had uh, a which we've got Grand Sam romance and everything. Uh, I mean, you've constantly been at cons. Not this year, but you were at cons like every other opportunity that you've got I mean you've now got this position with uh, Rebellion uh, yeah. was it Junior Graphic Novel Editor? Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, I'm um, a junior <laughs> but it's uh, I mean it's not like you're any it's not like you're any slouch um, Olivia, you you know it's not like you need ex- excuses or anything. Like you you have you have a lot going on so I think to be, I think to not have finished one thing uh, I think you're. I think you get a pass, mate. You're fine. <laughs> well, I'm so close to the end of Love Ranch, and I, I just, I need, I want to get it finished, just so I can, because I, I just, I just want to get it finished, and I think I can get it done. It's not too many pages left, so I think over Christmas I'm hoping to sort of clear the decks on that, and then uh, take a break in Sarara in the summer, maybe, and then. Mm. Maybe in the winter, start on another com- like start on another sort of longer form comic again. Right. Okay. okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, how have you? Um, I, I was going to say, how have you found actually like getting this out? Um, especially with like all the madness of this year and everything. I mean, has there, do you have you seen any sort of drop off or pick up an audience or anything from from it or? Um, I don't have audience metrics so okay. just <laughs> just even like with, just... just even with people like replying or retweeting or anything like that it seems like it's held fairly steady to be yeah. honest yeah. um the people who like yeah yeah i mean yeah it seems like it's held fairly steady i mean sarara gets about 20 likes on an instagram page post and that's been fairly steady throughout uh sometimes we get higher sometimes we get lower um but it's sort of Sarara's consistently pulled in at least twenty likes on Instagram, so that's that's all I'm ever, yeah. I'm ever looking for of it. And then um, Twitter's been a little bit lower, but that's just because I haven't had time to bump it because I'm always in the time I would normally be bumping it. I now work in, so yeah. Um, there's been a drop in the Twitter, but that's just because I haven't had time to sort of be saying there's a new one coming out. The Tumblr's dead, but the Tumblr's always been dead. That's <laughs> why I think of it more as an archive than like an active sort of site. Um, I think so. I guess I would like. I really enjoyed the process of doing a webcomic, though. And I think if I was to do it again, I would start on like webtoons or something or right. tapas and like put that effort in and do it properly. But to be honest, when I started Sorora, I don't think I was ready to be on webtoons. Like yeah. I was taking photographs of it on my phone and like uploading that. <laughs> it was just not professional in the slightest. It was more just for my friends and me yeah. than for anything else and which i think is great and i'm yeah. glad that and i i'm really proud of it and i'm proud of the progress on it but i think now i'd be in a position where i could think okay if i sign a webcomic you have a buffer you make a web like you do webtoons like and now i'm in a stage where i could actually think of that but at the time i started this i didn't know if it was gonna last more than eight weeks hmm. like i was just gonna do it till i got bored of it so yeah yeah it's, um, I think it's it's definitely a series that I think will benefit from a big collection 
I would love honestly, I would love it if this if once this was collected, it just suddenly started finding like an even an even wider audience than it's already got. Because I think what I've noticed anyway, and <clears throat> it's not just been it's not just been friends of yours either. I mean, fair enough, there was friends of yours. There was a lot of friends of yours and stuff that guested and stuff on it, mm-hmm. um, which is obvious. Like that would obviously happen anyway because it's going to be your pals that that muck in and do something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't even just like it wasn't even just your pals that were kind of reacting to it. You had a, a pretty dedicated audience to it. Whoever was going to read it and go after it were go were actually seeking it out. You know what I mean? Um, yeah I think as well it, like it always was like even about pushing it at cons it would always sell like one or two copies yeah. like um, so it sort of and like there was like a guy who bought the first issue for me on Full Bubble because he was like well do you have an ending for it he was like he didn't <laughs> want to take a chance on something that <laughs> it wasn't going to end anytime soon I was like no I have an ending it'll be like three chapters and done and he was like Mm, okay so he like bought the first one and then the next year like he was back again he was like oh yeah i remember this i'll get the second chapter i enjoyed that so <laughs> you know it's i think it it also there's also like a physical con audience for it who maybe you don't get to see but like people do like it i don't understand mm-hmm. i think people like about understanding it <laughs> not like in a not in like a and like a, oh they don't understand my themes but it's like they come in a year and a half into this and it's just a bunch of people screaming and things are on fire and they're like I have no idea what's going on but this is fun and entertaining and I'm yeah. here to just sort of see where this is going <laughs> I think it's um, it's harder it's harder for me to to see that perspective because I've kind of been with it from the start I mean I watched this progress as it's as it's went on and I've I've sort of loved every minute of it as, as it's went up Um but uh, yeah, I can definitely, I could definitely see the appeal of, of somebody just catching an image of some of these characters and going like, "What the fuck is this?" You know what I mean? And then trying to go back and maybe finding like a hashtag for it or finding the Tumblr and being like, "Right, what, what, what is this all about?" And then, and then seeing the change in style and being like, "Right, I need to, I need to find out what, what the hell's going on here." Um, I mean, I've done that with, I've done that with online strips. I've done that with Instagram comics. You know, people have put it up and I've I've seen it in like a year in or something like that, and then went back to the very very start through the posts and seen it's been something totally different, and so I went right. Well, how did we get to this point? You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I would. I think it'd be great to. I think it would be really great to see it as a as a collected thing and see more people jumping on board um, from a sort of wider angle. Uh, I know that that's probably not. That's probably not even like an objective for yourself. You you've just had fun as you've been doing it, as you've been saying. Like you just enjoyed putting it out. But it would be, I think, it would be great to see this popping up on like best of lists for like either next year or the year after. Don't, don't. <laughs> Every time I say best of list, I'm like, I want to be on a best of list. So I really appreciate David you picking me for this year because every time I say best of list, I get jealous. Um, but yeah, I think, I think what's nice about it is that I'll notice on Instagram that somebody will like one and then they'll go back because they've obviously realised they've missed a couple and they mm. go back and like a couple of them to catch up. Yeah. And it does seem to be something that people kind of read it and then they will go back to old 
like the the paddle one i think has to be probably my all-time most popular upload of it <laughs> just in terms of the amount of times people will go back to that one right and talk about it and use it as just the default image of sorara in their minds um so like i think that was like a, a really a really popular one and i think it's like it's, it's something that people seem to enjoy rereading it and going back to it mm-hmm. and um catching up on it uh so it which is really really nice um i don't know i i had fun doing it i think also what was nice about it was that the audience taught me to love my trashy children because <laughs> i think that like people's reactions to characters and i think people fell in love with these characters before i fell in love with these characters <laughs> and that was yeah i don't know it's just it's been really fun to do it as a webcomic and to have that continuous engagement throughout and being able to get feedback and listen, and which is one of the reasons it is so reflexive as a comic, mm. is because I listened to what people were saying about like, oh, maybe it'd be easier to read if there was color. Maybe it'd be easier to read if you know there was a, a different font. All those sort of things sort of do influence the strip, as does like stuff like COVID. Mm. Um, that was the most dramatic change I think for me. One of the most dramatic changes was the jump from physical to digital this year yeah. because of COVID. Because I just didn't have access to a scanner anymore. And that's been like a really lasting sort of thing on my art practice is that um, it's just a lot more difficult now for me to do physical comics because I don't have access to a good scanner. So start, everything sort of start, I've just reluctantly moved to digital. But oh, yeah, did you, like, did you I didn't notice? realize that. No. I mean, I knew the art changed the way you drew Sarah da, 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 and stuff, but I didn't realize it was all digital. Yeah, it moved digital. Um, there's like it was. A, it's quite an obvious one for me because the first installment of it, where it was all digital, um, I didn't have my pen settings right, so the characters are already thick and and thick. But um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus was the first one where it moved to digital, and then after that, I sorted out my pen settings, as you can immediately tell, <laughs> and then it became way more way less obvious that it moved to digital it became because i sort of very quickly learned how to draw in a way that replicated the physical sort of inks um but yeah it's moved it moved entirely to digital which was the big change in the comic Mm. very good yeah i didn't realize that at all okay yeah i found that one men are from mars yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't picked up on that actually. Do you know that's another one that you know she's got the dog, and then produces this tin heart thing out of her gob and sticks it on the dog's head. You know, this entire comic was just like from every panel, every page that went up. I just didn't know what I was going to get, and it just was like getting slapped around the face. Every- <laughs> And but I was enjoying, it, you know, getting kicked in the head all the time, and it just carried on all the way through. I never knew what the hell was going on or what I was going to get, and that was the difference when I sat down to read it this time. The narrative of it was stronger rather than the constant battering uh, of reading it in real time. In fact, there was, you know, the time when I thought, wait, wait a minute, this is just Olivia. I don't know what you're doing, but what the hell is going on now? And it was the one where, um, you know, the pregnancy kept with a frog. Yeah. 
and it was like inject urine into the frog and the, and, and I was sitting going I, I think maybe she's just gone off the deep end <laughs> But that was true. <laughs> I know. I remember that. That was the one where you went, "Yeah, that that was real." And I was like, "Wow, that was I real." I should have known what? it was real. That's... Yeah, I should have known it was real because it was so wacky that it had to be real. Oh my god! That's how his uh, pregnancy kits used to work. You would like, um, I mean, like you wouldn't. I don't think get um, like a frog to your house, but like in a lab, you would get the urine and inject a frog of it to see if the frog ovulated. Yeah. Oh. I loved the little frog realising what was going on and running off through, uh, the bottom of the panel, putting its hat on yeah. and running off. That was, that was genius. It was the hat. It, it yeah. was the hat. That, was that, that told you that the frog was off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, all oh, had, they all had great expressive faces. Like, I absolutely loved it. Um, but the eyes usually make it with each of them. Big time. Even with the the FBI agent that becomes the the teacher, um, it's oh, the... she's wild, Miss Allison. She is my least favorite character to draw. I would say mm. she was okay. a challenge. I really felt that like I went too hard on the first scene she ever appeared in. She was just so off the scale. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, what is this? What is this? What is this? And then I felt like I had this terrible pressure that I had to cap her, like I had to always top her facial expressions and just push it more and more. And I just, I wasn't enjoying it by the end. I just found her really, really difficult to draw. So I was really happy when she died. I didn't have to draw her anymore. <laughs> yes. she, was just a, she was just a difficult one. And I, I didn't love her color scheme. Uh, I don't think it was my most inspired colour scheme. It was really difficult to... It was just... A, it was just... I was a bit male on it. So, um, yeah. It's interesting, the ones... The characters that I like. I like drawing the characters I don't like drawing. She was one of the few main characters that I really struggled to draw. Hmm. It's interesting, because you've done, a, you've done a, a bang-up job. Especially with the hair, which takes the wig off. <laughs> yeah. Um... But no, the the first the first time that she turned up, and it's like, how is nobody noticing this change? Like sort of thing. And she's just like, oh, I've I've always looked like this. <laughs> it's like it's so good. I was just watching all the rest of them being like, yep, yep, that's Mrs. Allison. <laughs> <laughs> oh just, uh, dear. Just so much. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, poor Miss Allison. I I. She was a curse of her own popularity, I feel. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just, uh, just you know, just I've, I've, I think this is like the first sort of long form project I've ever managed to finish after the Beast of Kilo. So I'm really proud of it. <laughs> hey, you should be. It should big be. Time. Yeah, big yes. time. It ended up quite a lot bigger than I ever thought it was gonna be, um, and. Yeah, I I think and just doing it with a web as a web comic was just really rewarding, and I don't think I would have been able to keep up the energy if maybe this is what I need to do. Maybe I need to put Love Branch online, and then everybody's comments would inspire me to to keep going on it. Mm. Um, I think just the constant sort of engagement was important for me just to get that little serotonin boost and keep on going. Yeah, because sometimes when you do like a comic, it's just it's a long journey, you know, by mm. yourself. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah, you're not getting any, you're not getting anything back. 
Mm-hmm. And you're doing page in, page, page after page, day after day, and just nothing. Yeah, I've heard people saying that, that that's the that's the that's the upside to the you know putting up online is that you do get feedback. I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah, yeah. especially like in a year like this when you're not getting conventions, so you're not getting that sort of in-person yeah discussions with people. Yeah. Um, yeah, as, as as much as it's as much as it's not it's something that we probably won't admit that we we actively look for or anything, but it's you know a bit of validation goes a long way. Just anything. It you know. does. It's mm-hmm. nice when people comment on your comics. It's yeah. really really nice. Um, it's nice when people like it as well. But like it, you know, a comment, you're just like, oh my gosh, someone has been, someone has made a comment. And it is, like, I know it's like, you should write for yourself. And you're like, I do write for myself. But it's also nice to know that other people enjoy it. Yeah, but there's that. Loads of people work in different ways as well, though. Like, people saying, oh, write for yourself. It's like, oh, that's all easy and well for you to say. But what if I just don't work that way? What if I work best under pressure or best with a bit of feedback or something like that? You know, write for yourself, dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Somebody's crossed Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was something. It was something that was mentioned today, and it was somebody had said like they work best at deadline, and they don't like writing for fun, um, but they do enjoy working to a deadline. I thought, yeah, that's right, because some people do like getting stuff out there, and they just work better with a bit of pressure. But then you get mm-hmm. everybody else giving it. Oh, just you know, write something every day. <laughs> mm. You're like, oh, shut up. I've never been able to write every day. That's just it's not. No, it's not. That's too. not something I'm good at. I think drawing, I need to draw fairly regularly. Otherwise, uh, I'm quite um, based on the movement side of it. Like a lot of my skills sort of comes from just the repetitive movements, and so right. I need to, I guess, be regularly doing those movements for my hand to remember what's happening. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was surprised though. Uh, Emma doesn't need to draw every day. She she can take long breaks and then she'll start back up again and be like even better than she was when she last did it. Uh. She's got some secret moon power or something. <laughs> but I need to draw every day in order to maintain. I like, not draw every day, but I need to draw <clears throat> fairly regularly in order to maintain a standard, which is one of the reasons Ferraro was such a good thing for me because it meant I had to draw a page a week. Yeah, and I was getting regular practice in no matter what. Yeah, that's 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 amazing, Olivia, that you've managed to stick with it and get it all done and get it all together. And like you say, you know, it's about 180 pages or something altogether or something like that. It's, uh... it's about, yeah, 145 pages, but I think mm. with all the add-ons and stuff, and I'll probably draw extra stuff or ask yeah. if it'll get extra comics or something. Um, it'll probably be, and then you got to print in multiples of 16, so I think we're probably looking at something like 180 pages. Yeah. Yeah. It's not to be sneezed at. No, not really. No. I mean, you think of the amount of people that are working on their first comic, you know. You meet them all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you've got a lot done and it's good as well. So be proud of yourself. <laughs> Thank you. You've uh, you've definitely pointed out something uh, that I never knew I wanted until now. Though. You uh, you said, uh, oh, yeah, well, uh, probably something like an enamel pin. And all I'm thinking in my head now is a Sarara head 
enamel yeah. pen. I'm like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah, I just think that will be very nice. I mean, I don't think I, I don't know how many people want them, but I would like them. Uh, yeah. I think it'll be fun to design one. Um, but yeah, I think a Kickstarter requires a lot of planning, and I need probably a, a bit of a break from it, to be honest. Mm. Um, so before I go back and decide what, if anything, needs to be edited, um, probably there's like a couple of bits where there's mistakes in the colors. So I'll probably tidy up those bits. Mm. Um, there's like a couple of places where things could be cleaned up a bit more. But yeah, I think it's a difficult one between wanting to make it uniform and also wanting to preserve the the fact yeah. that it did look so different and it did sort of develop a lot yeah would you uh would you do self-editing or would you get somebody else in to give you a hand um i edit myself because yeah. i don't think anyone else understands my layer system or my files other than me so it right, okay. should all be fairly i mean i keep all them as psd so it should be fairly easy to let it edit them all and just change the colors and Every now and again, there'll be like a spelling mistake or something. So just sort of clean it up like that. Cool. Well, you're uh, you're in the right actual job for it anyway. You've got the job title and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm here for. A lot of I do do a lot of proofreading, so hopefully that'll stand me in good spread, in good stead. Yeah. Well, you give you give me some good feedback on something, so that was uh, that was awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll I'll ask where everybody can find you, etc. But I also just want to ask, um, how's the how's the new job going anyway? It's all good. Uh, it's, yeah, it's going good. It's like I was saying today. Dave, Dave was like, "Can I ask you questions about it?" I was like, "I don't know what I am or and allowed to say about work. I don't know." Okay. Um, but I mean, it's rebellion. So as you can imagine, I do 2018. I do Treasury, not the weekly 2018s, but I work on the 2018 graphic novel collections that come out. I work on Treasury books. I work on Roy, and my, and probably I don't think anything that I've majorly had a hand in has come out yet, right. um, because it takes so long for it all to come out. Um, a lot of the stuff that's come out since I've been there. I've very much just been a sub-editor on and just been sort of doing proofreading sweeps and stuff. Mm. Um, but you've also been uh, writing stories as well for 2018 and Core yeah. yeah. In the Yes, those were all prior to them giving me the job. Uh -huh. um, so uh, I, do, I realized that they sort of came out around, they, one of them came out recently, but I wrote that in March, the Misty one. Right. Uh, so, uh, and they asked me about it to do it like probably February or end of January. So, um, yeah, it is like, yeah. So yeah, I did, I did a bit of freelancing for them, um, before I started working for them, which was really nice. Um, it's nice to work on stuff, like to just to be able to say I've written a comic for Misty. That's like a big thing for me yeah. as obviously as a girls comics person. And uh, Core Buster was really special because um, Core is one of my dad's annuals, and that's actually one I used to read as a kid. Ah. So I actually, so I wouldn't know anything about any other IPC humor comic really, but that was the one that I did know something about and had really strong opinions about the characters. Like I love Hira Horror and Can't Make a Monkey Out of Gus. <laughs> so to get to write something for that collection was like really special because that was. And that's come out now, I think. I haven't 
I think all my comp copies are going to the office. I haven't got I got a copy yet. Right. Um, but that one's out in book form, so I should probably. Everyone's gone home now for Christmas, but I should probably try and ask someone to send that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Be a good shout. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so that'll be that'll be good to see that comp when it comes in eventually. Yeah. Well, as I said before, you're no slouch. You're definitely <laughs> definitely cracking on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to take a break, and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did a PhD as well in the midst of this, so I just I need to take calm down, <laughs> as Taylor Swift would say. It's uh, it's easier said than done, though. I tell you. Yeah. I know. I know the feeling. It's that thing of like, oh, I finally got some free time. How can I fill it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, in the words of Sarah Ra Ra Ra, you can never have enough spunk. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So, um, so where can everybody find you online, etc., Olivia? Okay, so the places to go are uh, my Twitter, which I'm at at Miss Olivia Hicks. My uh, Instagram, which is Lasso Magica Rescate, L A S S O M A G I C A R E S C A R T E. And then, if you are wanting to read Sarara from the very beginning, the place to go is Sarara webcomic.tumblr.com and that is S-A-R-A and then triple ra <laughs> <laughs> awesome absolutely brilliant and by the time this comes out uh, it'll all be done yeah it'll, it'll all be, be done it's yeah. coming we've got under a month to go now so yeah it's just... we're rocketing rocketing to an end because I'll probably do a double upload for the final two and then do the epilogue all in one upload Nice, nice. That's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just ask you, Dave. Where can everybody find you online, etc.? Oh, just Google Fred Egg Comics. Hey, good. And uh, you'll find it all there. Yeah, <laughs> and you can uh, you can find yourself and myself at uh, that comic smell as well on uh, SoundCloud, etc. I'll just chuck that in because I never ever do that. Um, never never do that ever right perfect well thank you very much for that everybody thank you see you later bye bye send us any comments or questions or just to say hello you can reach us by email at thatcomicsmell at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thatcomicsmell. Share the podcast with your friends and followers. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube and most other places you find podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Our music is by Chart Smasher and this track is Dial Up. You can find Chart Smasher on Twitter at Joan Edam and you can buy the tracks on Bandcamp.